Welcome. Good to see everybody this morning. I'm Pastor Troy. I want to welcome you. Thank you for taking some time to check us out as a church. Uh, we think you are in the exact right place this morning. That uh, maybe, actually I don't want to say maybe on this one. I, I want to say definitely that God set this moment up. And over the next 60 minutes or so, I think maybe God will speak to you in your life if you'll, if you'll let him. So I just encourage you to open up your heart and, and see what happens. Um, you know, sometimes things don't make sense. I, I don't know about you, but I, I've been watching a lot of the news clips this week about the 9-11. You know, obviously it's 10 years, and, and today is, is kind of a big day. You know, I mean, 10 years kind of marks, you know, a mile marker, so to speak, and you remember those things, and you watch the videos, and, and you, you know, I, I, I think back where I was and, and what I was doing and, and, and just kind of watching it on TV and, and all those things that are happening. So today we want to just take a few minutes here and, and watch a video and just kind of remember uh, what happened 10 years ago. So let's go ahead and show that, guys.
we just have just a, a moment of silence, just remembering those that uh, are affected by this. Lord, even though it's 10 years um, past, there's literally thousands of families that have been affected by what happened in, in our country has been affected. And so, Lord, we pray specifically for the families, for those that are close to what happened, who lost a loved one. And we ask that, God, you would just wrap your arms around them this morning, wherever they're at, God, uh, around the world, around the country, that, God, they would know more than anything that you care about them. They would know that. They would sense that. Lord, help us to have perspective, God. Help us to see uh, you in the midst of ugly, difficult times, God. Let us, let us see that. Let us never lose sight of those things. Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I knew it was going to be a hard transition, but it kind of fits a little bit into the message today, and we're talking about some big questions. You know, we're talking about, uh, you know, what's, what's up, you know, what's going on, you know, and, and how to deal with those things. And, and, and some of the, you know, questions that we have are really, really big. You know, they are. I mean, there's, there's really big questions like that. I mean, when I watch that video, the automatic question is, why would God allow that to happen? That's a big question. That's a huge question. And, and, and we're not going to specifically target that question for the series. And, and by the way, the answer to that is, is kind of a, an awkward answer for some, but it makes a lot of sense when you understand the heart of God. And it's this. is Number one is we live in a very broken world. Things like that happen because we're part of a broken world. The, and you don't have to look very far to realize we're part of a broken world. I mean, every, everywhere around you, I mean, it's, it's, it's just broken. When you see things like that, the broken slaps you in the face, right? And so you know that. The other part of that is like, well, why doesn't God jump in and just like snatch the planes out of the air and throw them to the side and say, don't do that, you know, that kind of stuff. Is God is allowing the brokenness to unfold so that as many people as possible could come to a faith relationship with him. In other words, God is being patient. He's allowing difficulties to still happen because he's wanted to give as much of an opportunity because the moment God steps in it's all a done deal it's like it's done and that's going to happen someday and so that's a that's a big part of that big question I mean there's other big questions you know there's there's questions about heaven and hell there's questions about uh, is Jesus for real I mean that's a big question is the Bible can you trust the Bible can you can you do that you know, the, those are all big questions. And so today, we're, we're going to talk about a big question. That one is, is why am I here? Why am I here? Not like, why am I here, here? <laughs> you know, because you might be here right now because you thought, man, I was going to win the grill. But I don't know who that, yeah, that chick is. I'm going to, man, I can't believe she won that. You know? Or maybe you're here because somebody just invited you and you're not really even sure why, but you're just here, right? I mean, you came because somebody invited you and now you're here. Or you heard that we had Scooter's Coffee and Otis Spunkmeyer cookies. And you're like, I'm here for the cookies. Whatever. You know, I mean, you know, you're here. But bigger than that, bigger than that question is, why am I here on earth? 
I mean, what's my, what's my purpose in life as far as what, what's it all about? I mean, why am I here? I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge question. And so hopefully today we'll try to, try to ask that, you know, uh, you know I mean, answer that. Is it, what's the point? Why was I born? You know, I mean, there's all kinds of different angles and ideas that we can go after on this thing. But if I was to ask you today, why are you here? What would, be your, what would be your answer? You don't have to answer. Just think about it for a second. Why, why are you here? I mean, what's the point? I mean, what's the, what's the point of your life? What's the point of you being here for 20 years or 50 years or 80 years or 100? I don't, you know, whatever you get. What's the point of that? That you would somehow have a life and you're trying to figure out what, what, what's, what's your existence all about? Why are you here? And here's the big problem with that question is most of us, and, and, I, and I think it's most of us, or many of us, but uh, we don't know why we're here. We don't know. I have a clue. I mean, we're, we're, we're just clueless. It's like, pff, I don't know. I mean, you, you tell me. I'm kind of glad I'm here because I really don't know. I mean, and, and part of the answer or the situation that comes from that is that we live life aimlessly. And I, I think back when I was younger, and some of you know my story, and my, my story is... Uh, is uh, my, I was adopted when I was a little kid. I, I mean, I, I ended up becoming a teenage alcoholic. I had drug and, and, and anger problems. And, and I mean, I just had all kinds of issues. And really what it was is I had no clue why I was here. I was just, just kind of aimlessly, cluelessly going and chasing after all kinds of stuff. And I couldn't seem to find that answer to this question. Why am I here? And I mean, I remember the, the days when, when my mom and my uncle would get in my face and they'd point a finger at me and say, God loves you. And I'm like, man, get out of here. What are you talking about? I don't want to hear about God's love. You know, I mean, that's dumb. You know, that's not why I'm here. You know, and I would just reject everything. And, you know, and finally it started changing for me. But, but just that question, why, what's the deal? And I was aimless, I was clueless, and I really didn't know the answer. And so I was just living life accordingly. That's what I was doing. I think a lot of us are in that category, and so we, we kind of have to wrestle with this. Well, maybe today is the one moment that I slow down long enough to ask the question, why am I here? Maybe I slow down for just 30 minutes or 40 minutes this morning and go, why am I here? Not just in Nebraska, not just in Papillion or Bellevue or wherever you're from. I mean, why am I here? I mean, what's the point? And, and, and really, what's the big deal anyway? I mean, who cares? I mean, maybe it's one of those things like... Come on. Who cares? I mean, in a few minutes, we're going to go watch football, and life's going to be good, right? Right? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, all right, you want to talk about that? That's cool. But see, here's the deal. Who cares? It's a big deal because of this one reason. What you determine to be the reason you are here will greatly affect the decisions about how you live your life. See, once you, once you start realizing, well, maybe I'm here for a reason, or maybe there's something going on that's bigger or grander or, or better than what I thought it to be, that maybe all of a sudden I start thinking about the activities and the behaviors and the decisions that I do on a regular basis because there's something going on here. There's a reason for this. And I start wrestling with that. I realize that, man, there's something going on here. And so, and so the big idea or the big deal is that how I understand this one question affects everything I do in life. It affects how I go through life, about what I chase after and what I go after and how I interact with people and all the different things that happen, happens in life. This one question brings that into sight. 
And so I've been wrestling with it all week, and I, I, I've been reading uh, uh, through the book of Ecclesiastes. Talk about an interesting book. It's, it, it's, it's Solomon writing later on in his life. I mean, Solomon, I don't know if you know the story of Solomon, but Solomon was King David's son. And, and when he became king, God kind of met up with him and said, hey, what do you want? One thing. What do you want? And you know what he asked for? He said, I want wisdom. God said, you got it. God gave him wisdom beyond anybody's understanding. I mean, he had, he had wisdom coming out every part of who he was as a person. And, and, he, and he started writing. I mean, he was a king, and he had all kinds of success, and he was doing all this, and he was the wisest man on the world. I mean, he made Warren Buffett look like an idiot, right? Gates, all these other different people that we think are wise, you know, all these guys. And the guy had it going on. And, and, and so he's going through all this thing. He, he starts writing. First one he writes, he writes about love, Song of Solomon. You know, hey, baby, you know, he kind of goes through that whole thing. You didn't know that, but Solomon wrote that because he was, he was young. He, he was writing about love and how it works and how you interact and, and how the relationship should be and all that kind of stuff. And it was good stuff. Like, man, the wisdom from God did that? Yeah. Then he got into the mid part of his life, and he started writing the Proverbs. And a lot of you know about the Proverbs, the Proverbs, all these wisdom statements. And you read through those, and you're like, man, these are, these are good. Because they're from God. I mean, he was getting this idea from God, and God was speaking through him, and he was writing down these Proverbs, and we read them. I read them every day. Matter of fact, whatever day it is of the month, I read that proverb for the day. I have been for years. You know, I just keep thinking if I keep reading one of these days, it's going to stick, you know. <laughs> and, and so, you know, he does this. So, so Song of Solomon, he, uh, Proverbs, kind of mid part of his life, and then you get to the end of his life, and you know what happens when you get to the end of your life? You start looking back at your life. You start wondering, well, what would I do different? What really mattered? Why was I here? You know, that kind of thing. And he writes Ecclesiastes. And it's interesting because all that wisdom and all the power and all the authority that it has, he kind of blew it. I mean, really, he really was self-indulgent. I mean, he kind of went through this whole process of life. Even though he had this incredible wisdom, it didn't naturally come out as having this incredible application. And see, sometimes that's what, how we think, too. We think, well, man, if I just know everything, I'll be okay. Well, knowledge just puffs you up usually. Knowledge just allows you to know what you should do. It doesn't actually make you do what you should do. And so Solomon was in this picture, and he was doing this, and so later in life he was exploring this depth of wisdom. And really, and here's an interesting thing, the whole book of Ecclesiastes is targeted towards a bunch of young students, kind of like you and I today. It's like, hey, I've got a couple things I'd like to get off my chest that I've learned over a lifetime of wisdom. And I just want to kind of give it to you here. And I mean, he's kind of, it's, it's a little bit of, ah, man, I blew it. And here's what you need to know at the same time. And so he's going through this whole process. And, and really part of it revolves around this one question, why am I here? And he was speaking from his own experience and his own wisdom that God had given him. And, and really what he was saying is, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. You know, I, I, this is what I know. Listen to what I know. And he starts off in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2, and this is how he starts off the whole writing. He says, meaningless. <laughs> and all the, I can just see all the students, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought this was going to be like a good feel kind of thing here. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Whoa. <laughs> That's what life's all about. And see, he, he was throwing this out there. Really what he was saying, and there's a, there's a Hebrew word here, it's hebel. 
Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it literally means to, have, uh, to be without substance. It's like a breath or a vapor. It's gone. He's what he's saying. His life without this, this idea that God is part of it is like this, and it's just gone. It's just, it's just gone. I mean, the guy that's the most wise person in the world goes through this whole process, gets to the end, and this was his answer. It's meaningless. Why am I here? Meaningless. It's pointless. It's empty of substance. It's hollow. It's, it, it's, it's worthless. And so he's kind of breaking that down, and, and really he, he's, he's beginning to explore his own heart and what's going on. And, and I was thinking about, so, so why am I here? I mean, so, you know, kind of jump back to the Ecclesiastes thing. There's a few theories or guesses that we operate from. And, and here, here's what happens, is I'm here for a reason. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But a lot of times when we don't know what the reason is, we tend to guess at the reason. And we tend to guess at what we think is the best option. In other words, people just kind of lay out, here's option, here, check this one out. And we go for that one. And, and here's, I, I listed out three of them. The first one is, why am I here? It's the Big Bang Theory. And basically, this, this is how this one goes. And you've heard of it, the whole evolution idea. And really what this means is, I'm here for no reason. I'm here for no reason. I'm an animal just fulfilling my instincts. Just survival is what it's all about. I'm just surviving. We are just products of evolution. We are a little more evolved than dogs and monkeys. Some of us better looking than others. Right? And so, you know, as you think about that, and here's what I was thinking about the Big Bang Theory, the idea of answering the question, why am I here in light of the Big Bang Theory? Or there is no answer to that. There really isn't. The only answer I could come up with is the goal in my life then is to become the smartest, brightest monkey in the tree. I mean, right? I mean, that, what else would you do? I mean, that's just kind of the whole point of it. If, the, if that's how it's set up, then really that's the goal and why I'm here. And, and I just want to say this very clearly and plainly and to the point. You are not an accident. You are not here because you are a chance of nature. Your birth is not a mistake. Matter of fact, there's a couple verses that I think are important for us today. Psalm 139 says, you, meaning God, saw me before I was born. Every day my life was recorded in your book. In other words, God was jotting down notes about you. God was taking notes on your life because it was so valuable and so important and so precious to who he was and who you are. He goes on and it says, Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And it goes on, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. In other words, you're so intensely valuable to God. Then it goes on, I love this verse, these verses in Acts. Paul was talking to a group of people asking the same question. Why am I here? What's the point? What's going on? And there's all kinds of different ideas and different guesses that were happening. And here's what he said. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth. He was giving them a starting point. He was giving them a perspective that says, hey, if you're going to try to answer this question, you've got to start here. And then it goes in verse 26, it says, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And, he, and I love this part. And he marked out their appointed times, that you would be here in 2011. I've always thought about this. I was like, man, I kind of would have liked to have been like, in more of a barbarian age. <laughs> I just... I have that feeling every once in a while, especially when I'm out hunting. You know, I'm out hunting. I'm, man, I should have probably been doing this for a living. <laughs> you know? 
come home, have blood streaming all over me and the deer over my back, and say, honey, I'm home. But instead, i got to put it in the back of my truck and cover it with a tarp and bring it home and say, you know. Anyway, so bird, sorry, squirrel. I'm off on a track there. But he says that he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. In other words, you're not part of this big bang theory that it's just all chance and it's nature. God ordained or made happen this right now. You're here because God appointed you to be here. You're here where you are for a very specific reason in time and space and place. All of that here today for a very real reason. And it goes on. It says this. God did this so that they, you and I, would seek him and perhaps, because there's a choice in there, perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. In other words, in the very moment that you live, in the very space that you live, God has set it all up that somehow, instead of some big theory, big bang idea that Hans and you came from tadpoles and all that kind of stuff, God said, no, I created this, and now I've created not only in, in that I value you, but I actually put you in the best possible place that you might decide for me. That's where you're at. So, so the first one is big bang theory. The second one is called the good time theory. This is another guess. I'm here to experience as much pleasure as possible. Now we go back to Ecclesiastes. And really what this is, is I'm here to eat, drink, and be merry. Life is one big party. Let's get it on. Man, what you do? I'm partying. And I understand this one because I did this one for a long time. That's what I thought it was about. If you would have asked me when I was 18, 19 years old, I would have told you life is a party. That's what it's all about. Get as hammered as you can. Get as drunk as you can. Get as high as you can. You, you just, man, indulge as much as you can. You go for it. And he who does it the most wins. It's a good time theory. And a lot of us, we, we pick that up. And, and it's, I'm here for me. It's all about me. And, and then listen to what the wisest man on the, on the planet said. Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 3. It says, I decided, notice all the eyes, me, and myself in here. I decided to enjoy myself and, found out, and find out what happiness is. But I found that this is useless too. I discovered that laughter is foolish, that pleasure does you no good. Driven on by my desire for wisdom, I decided to cheer myself up with wine and have a good time. I thought that this might be the best way people can spend their short lives on earth. Let's have a party. Now jump down to verse 8. It says, men and women sang to entertain me. I mean, it was all about the, the concerts. Matter of fact, he just made them himself. He just always in that scene, you know, doing that. Men and women sang to entertain me, and I had all the woman, women a man could want. I mean, what's, what's the guy's name? I'm trying to think of the basketball player that says he had more women than he. Uh, what is it? Will Chamberlain. Man, Will Chamberlain was nothing compared to this guy. He had it all going on. I mean, everybody's like, man, this is what I want. And he was going on a good time theory. He said, you know, he had all the, the women that he wanted, uh, a man could want. Yes, I was great, greater than anyone else who had ever lived in Jerusalem, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted, I got it. I did not deny myself any pleasure. I was proud of everything I had worked for, and all this was my reward. Then I thought about it. Then I asked the question, is this what life is all about? 
that I had done and how hard I had worked doing it. And I realized that it didn't mean a thing. It was like chasing the wind of no use at all. I mean, I had all that. I mean, you know, so some of us were thinking, man, if, I, if my life was all about pleasure, if I just had all this pleasure, if I had all these good times, man, life would be, that's what it's all about. And he gets in and he says, man, I did it all. I've got the t-shirt. I did it. And it didn't work. It wasn't a good time theory. And here's the problem with a good time theory. Pleasure is short-lived, and it only lasts for a moment. It's like the wind. It's gone. Got to go chase another one. And that was good. And every, you just run around chasing stuff. Just to, he said, that's what it was like. So, so Big Bang Theory, good time theory, and then the third one is more stuff theory. More stuff theory. I am here... Why am I here? I'm here to accumulate riches and accomplishments give my life meaning. That's what gives my life meaning. And so he goes on, and this is how he says it, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 2, 4 through 6 and 8, part of there, I just kind of pulled up pieces and parts there. He says, I, I accomplished great things. I built myself houses and planted vineyards. I planted gardens and orchards with all kinds of fruit trees in them. I dug ponds. Actually, in other, some uh, translation, it says he built reservoirs, like lakes, <laughs> like massive lakes. I dug ponds to irrigate them. I also piled up silver and gold from the royal treasures of the lands I ruled. And then jumping down to chapter 4, it says, Then I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this, too, is meaningless. Like chasing a wind. Then in verse 10 of chapter 5, it says, Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. And we're talking from a guy that had more than anybody else ever had. There's something else. I mean, he's like, this isn't it. I mean, he, so he goes through, he says, you know, it's not a good time theory. And there's other things that he talked about, achievements and fame and all these kind of things. They're all in there. And he comes to the same conclusion every time. It's meaningless. It's empty. It's without substance. There's got to be something more. And so when we begin to explore the big question, why am I here? And our answer, the big bang or the good time or the most stuff theories is me. I get stuck in a self-centered perspective. I get stuck. And I think what happens today is this. We get stuck trying to figure out the answer to this question because we think it's about me. But it's not about me. And this is what, what Solomon was wrestling through. He's trying to find out, you know, in, instead of asking, well, why am I here? We're asking questions like, what do I want to do with my life? Or what do I want to do with my dreams? What do I want to do with my plans and my goals and my, 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 my. And we lose sight what it's all about so you won't find the answer to the question by looking into yourself or having more stuff if you want to know the purpose of a device go to google no you go to the creator of the device you go to the person or the place where it was designed and where it was made and you say hey what's the purpose here what's the point what why am i here what's why am i part of this what is going on here why did you create me what's the answer and so why am I here? And, and how, how we answer this question has a huge, and I already said it, huge impact, impact on how we live our lives. This will affect you every day, how you answer this question. Why am I here? 
What's the point? What's the point? Why am I here? And so Solomon, he, he, he comes to uh, some major conclusions. If you read through the whole book of Ecclesiastes, which this week I've read it like three or four times, just looking, what, what's the point? I mean, he keeps saying meaningless, meaningless. This is meaningless. That's meaningless. I've done all that. I've been there. I've been a part of that. What's, what it is? And there's like two or three little nuggets along the way that give you the answer. And here they are. And, and the simple answer is I'm here for a reason. God created me for his pleasure. All right? But he gets to a couple conclusions. Why am I here? And the first one is this. I am here in this life to prepare for eternal life. That's it. I mean, it's not about all those other things. I am here in this life to prepare for eternal life. And here's here's what he said in in verse 11 of chapter 3. He says, yet God has made everything. And you know what? This is following, if you've ever read through Ecclesiastes, where he said there's a time for love, and there's a time for this, and there's a time for that, there's a time, you know, that he kind of goes through this whole thing, right? And he follows that with this statement, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. And listen to this little phrase. He has planted eternity in the human heart. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see <clears throat> excuse me, the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end, that one little phrase, he has planted eternity in the human heart. Here's what's going on today. Somehow that question keeps rolling through me and I don't really know the answer and I'm aimless and I'm clueless and I'm doing all these things because somewhere inside of me, God planted a seed that is growing that longs to be eternally secure with God. That's what it wants. And God put that in me, and so I'm kind of trying to figure that out. I, I mean, I'm not even really sure what it is all the time, but it's, it's inside me. And so all these things are going on because God put something inside me that longs to be with him. My favorite verse of all the scripture, and I, I talked to a group of people yesterday, I said the same thing. Psalm 42, 7, it says, the deep calls to the deep. The deep calls to the deep, and this is what it means. It means that God's longing for me is the same as my longing for him. That I was made like that, and God was made like that, and those two things are colliding, and that's the purpose of me preparing for eternal life. There's three thoughts that come from this verse real quickly. One, God has a plan. It's in his time. Right now, this is part of his plan. He's trying to set that up for you to prepare. I was created for an eternal relationship. That's the second part. And the third part of this verse is it's easy to lose perspective. It's easy to not see it. So what's the challenge? The challenge is I need to align with his plan. I need to get ready for what he's doing eternally. And I need to stay focused on it. Because the life I have now is an opportunity to prepare for the life that I have will have in eternity. See, one day this life will end. One day this will end. And I don't know when it's going to be. You don't know when it's going to be. It could be in an hour could be in 20 years, I don't know. But it's going to end. And the real life will begin. See, I'm here to prepare for eternal life. This is a tryout. It's a practice. It's a warm-up. That's why I'm here. That's what he's saying. So Psalm would get, hey guys, here's the whole point. And then the second one is this. So first main thought is I'm here in this life to prepare for eternal life. The second one is I'm here in this life to prove my faithfulness. 
to prove my faithfulness. And this is the last verse of Ecclesiastes. He gets all this. He does all these kind of things. So prepare for eternal life. The second one is I'm here in this life to prove my faithfulness. And like, what? Here's what he says. Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14. It says, everything you were taught, remember he's talking to these students, can be put in a few words. Respect and obey God. This is what life is all about. God will judge everything we do, even what is done in secret, whether good or bad. He's going to see all these things. And so what that means is that God is looking at my life and says, you are here. Why am I here right now? Is that you are here to prove that you are trustworthy of what I've given you. Whoa, 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 that's heavy. The first one, okay, I get the whole prepare thing, and, and, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on with that. But see, this life that God's given me, it's all about Him. And what does that mean? Our lives are bringing glory to the Creator. We've been given an assignment. Here's the assignment. It's, first of all, life is a test. Life is a test. God is watching my life. When I realize this, there is no moment that's insignificant. It all matters. This life is a written exam, and typically God tests us in three areas. Let me throw them out real quickly. You know them when I say them. He tests us in faith. In other words, do I trust him when things aren't going as well as I think they should? Or do I trust myself? He tests us in hope. In other words, what do I put my hope in? Do I put my hope in possessions, or do I put my hope in his promises? That's where he tests us. And he tests us in love. In other words, how do I treat others and how do i respond to him that's where he's testing us and so life is this test that we are supposed to pass james chapter one says anyone who meets a testing challenge head-on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate for such persons loyally in love with god the reward is life and more life that's actually life now and the eternal life Last thing, so if life is a test, life is a trust. That's the second one. I don't know if I put these in your notes to put in there. Life is a trust, and and here's what it means. The Bible makes it clear everything we have is on loan from God. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're getting crazy on me here. Everything? Yeah, no, everything. Matter of fact, it gets so everything that it's even the breath that you breathe is on loan from God. Everything you have is on loan from God. In other words, there is nothing I have that I can say, that's mine. What? It's my house. It's my car. It's my clothes. It's my job. It's my, it's, no, 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 no. Everything you have is on loan because God has given it to you. And so if everything is on loan, then the answer to that is I am here in life to prove my faithfulness, that I am being entrusted with something, meaning life. The question is, is what am I doing with it? What am I doing with what I've been entrusted with? In other words, when we stand before God, we'll all be asked the same question. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with it? And let's just go through it. What'd you do with Jesus? I gave you Jesus. What'd you do with Jesus? <laughs> I put the Bible on the nightstand. I love Jesus. <laughs> What'd you do with Jesus? I mean, Jesus came, he gave his life for you. What did you do with Jesus? 
What'd you do with that? Another one here, what'd you do with the talents and abilities? I actually gave you abilities and talents and skills and things like that. What did you do with those abilities that I gave you? What'd you do, what'd you do with the money I gave you? Matter of fact, I gave you a lot of money because as Americans, we're rich. Some of you go, no, I ain't rich. No, we're rich. What'd you, what'd you do with that? When, when, you, when you got all the, the resources, what'd you do with the resources that you had? Did you, did you buy yourself a new fancy car or did you use it for me? Now I'm meddling, aren't I? I'm sorry. What'd you do? Or, or what'd you do with your moments? Because I gave you a lot of them. I gave you a lot of moments in life. What'd you do with all those moments? And what'd you do with all those seconds? What'd you do with all those minutes? What'd you do with all that? Because I gave them to you. What'd you do with them? Because the answer is, you were here to prove yourself faithful to me. Respect and obey God. And so, Solomon brings it all the way around. He says, here's the deal. You are here for two reasons. One, to prepare for eternity. Two, to prove that you're faithful. What? What? So what do I do with that? I mean, how do I respond? And, and really how I respond is I say, okay, God, I'm with you. I make my decision to plan to be a part of what you design, d- define as what I'm here for. Not Big Bang, not Good Time, not, I can't remember what I just said, there was the other one. More stuff, thank you. You guys, wow, you guys are on this thing. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you today that you give us the book of Ecclesiastes. The Lord, many times we're just like Solomon. We look at life and it seems meaningless. It, le- it seems like it's hollow and it's empty. But I believe today that you're speaking to many of us about making sure that why I'm here makes sense, not just a guess. And so, Lord, we surrender to that. God, we say, Lord, here I am. I don't want to spend my life chasing after things that are like the wind. I want to spend my life fulfilling why you put me here. And so, Lord, forgive me. Give me, give me the, the opportunity, Lord, to prepare for eternity the way I'm supposed to. God, give me the opportunity to prove that I am faithful. God, you've given me so much. Lord, may I honor and glorify you with everything I've been given. Lord, let it be so. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name today. Amen.